Cougs house. All right, familiar foe this weekend, but a lot is at stake with the Houston Cougars. They look to maintain bowl eligibility. They need two wins in the last three games to do it. Great opportunity this weekend, but they got to do three things to get that job done. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Answer that break down all things Cougs. If you're a UH fan or just a hater who came to stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you found us on YouTube, welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's so good to see you again. Remember, hit subscribe. We're doing a giveaway every 250. We're approaching 1700 as the time is recording. That means the next marker is at 1750. Uh, looking to give some away there. So hit subscribe, help us get there, like, comment the video to let us know you're in the contest. If you are all Cincinnati skyline chilled out after today's episode, uh, or you're really looking more forward to the basketball game, we'll you know talk about that on uh, Cougars After Dark on Saturday night. But in the meantime, comment down below. Okay, Houston's wearing all red this Saturday. I have commonly referred to those as the Kool-Aid Man uniforms on Twitter. So tell us, what's your favorite color Kool-Aid? We were a green Kool-Aid fan. That was really, that was, we were, I, I think we were unique in that, actually. Um, all right. <clears throat> oh, that's probably a fine of some sort. Um, today's episode, again, we're talking about the three things that are important that Houston's got to do to win this game on Saturday. I want to stress, stress, stress through all of the roller coasters and valleys that this season has had. For the Houston Cougar football program, um, honestly, they have two very winnable games in their final three games, and one that you know college football chaos can happen on Senior Day. Uh, and if they win two of the three, they get to go to a bowl game. And we'll talk about as that you know potential uh, gets closer, the importance of that for the program. But Houston is a Cincinnati win, and then a Central Florida or an Oklahoma State win away from making a bowl game. That's really really big time for this program. So how will they get the win against Cincinnati? Obviously, it's Friday. So, you know, I've talked myself into them winning this game tomorrow. Um, but they got three things they've got to, got to, got to do. So first thing I think they got to do is make them pass the football. More on that in a moment. I think that's counterintuitive to a lot of uh, what people think about modern football. But making Cincinnati pass the football is going to be very, very important. Uh, then they got to be special on special teams. Got to be an advantage for Houston. And they got to keep it clean. More on that in a moment. Um but we got to make sure we do all three of those things to beat the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, and I guess we'll just start with the first one. They got to make Cincinnati pass the football. Cincinnati is a incredibly balanced offense. When you look at things as a whole, their yardage and passing and rushing this season are almost identical, which makes you think like, okay, they're really balanced offense. But then you look at the fact that they're two and seven and you realize how many of those, you know, passing yards have come in the late third and fourth quarter to try and co- make comebacks right throughout the season. That's okay. When they have their druthers and they're starting the football game off, when things are even, even, you know, zero, zero, um, they want to run the football. And so I looked at their two wins and really just one of the two, we'll look at that in a second. Look at their, their wins. And then they had four losses that were, within a score, so eight points or less as well, to kind of see kind of what their 
MO was, what they wanted to do in those closer football games. I only counted one of the wins, actually, because upon looking closer, um, Cincinnati opened there with a giant win over East, East Kentucky. Um, scored 66 points very clearly and putting on two minutes of tape on that one. On Just found stuff on YouTube, honestly. It won the whole game, even. But they could do whatever they wanted. Uh, they were in a very different league than East, East Kentucky. I don't think that's a fair... Just like we're not going to keep the giant losses off the... Uh, we're looking at this kind of close game thing. I don't think it's worth keeping the East Kentucky game in. Uh, scored 66 points. So clearly, if you're not ready to play, I guess they can erupt. Um, that's very much not their MO. Uh, Cincinnati has scored 25 points per game this season. Uh, but that's frankly not very high for college football. Especially when you factor in they had 66 points in week one, but they have been top 25 every single week in time of possession. They're currently 19th in the country on the season in time of possession. And that comes from running the darn football. Now, this feels really important because you factor in that Houston has had trouble stopping people from running the football this season. But when they beat Pittsburgh, right, they're long, they're one of their two wins this season, the lone power five, one of the season, uh, to beat Pittsburgh by six. They had 216 yards rushing and 155 passing. So again, the game that goes their way, you can see they're doing it at a little bit more than a four to three clip there. Right. Um, they lost Miami of Ohio by a score 31 to 24. And that one, they had 273 rush yards and 265 pass yards, but over a hundred of those pass yards come in the fourth quarter. Uh, and they actually scored once at the end to, you know, make it 31, 24. So it, it, it obviously it worked, but it's also like when the game was close and they thought they had time to do things their way, they were clearly running the football a lot more, uh, lost BYU 27 to 35. Um, that one, they had 242 rush yards, 256 pass yards, similar to the Miami-Ohio game. A bulk, a big chunk of that pass yards comes in the latter por- portion of the game. Uh, lost to Baylor by three at home. Um, they scored to cut it from 11 to three on a passing possession, uh, but it was 288 rushing yards to 162 passing yards. Again, with big passing possession to score at the end of the game. I lost Central Florida by two. Again, 248 rushing the football, 267 passing, but, you know, big fourth quarter passing. They actually missed a two-point conversion that would have tied that game up against Central Florida. So, you know, as far as, like, transitive property goes, which isn't great in college football, but looking at Central Florida at the end of the season, looking at this game, like, those things can, you know, be interesting measures. Um, Oklahoma game was not a one-score game by any stretch. Um, They lost by 14 points. I think what's interesting in that one is they got down by two scores and then they just kind of couldn't do anything about it. And they had 141 rushing yards, 235 passing yards. And it very clearly turned out like once they kind of had to pass the football, they were one dimensional, very, very simple. Um, Cincinnati runs a decent passing offense that 61% completions. Uh, they have 2.8 seconds to throw, which actually more than Houston, but less than big 12 averages. And then their average distance of targets about 9.7 average distance completion or like the average yardage on completion is a little over 10. So theoretically, right. They have a decent pass game. So I think people are probably looking at me like Parker, we're talking about making them pass feels silly. Um, but holding it to a single dimension is really important because a, right. It puts the, uh, 
puts, frankly, the game in the hands of our pass rush, which I feel like is our strongest portion of the defense. Nelson Seaton will get a sack in this game and continue to be the leader in sacks per game in the Big 12, right? Uh, Don Nwanko can go get hits as well. I know he's not usually into the sexy stats. He does more of the grunt work kind of stuff, but he can go get one in this game, absolutely, with the middle of that. Anthony Holmes loves to get in the stat book on those kind of things. David Gwegbu, um, Cedric Williams. These guys can get in the stat book against that offensive line if they can make it a passing game. They've got to do that on their own by making this a passing game and taking away Cincinnati's running of the football. Uh, Cincinnati has a pair of very talented backs. Uh, one is Thunder and one is kind of Lightning, but also fairly large or fairly stout. Um, they're going to give it to uh, Kiner most of the time. He's the stockier, bulkier back. He loves running off tackle. That means it's going to come down to running like inside of Caesar or outside of uh, Cedric Williams, right? Those kind of things. I think Houston will go back and forth in the three, three, five and the four, two, five. Intuitively, you would think the four, two, five with four down linemen would be better, but truthfully, the, you can kind of manipulate where they can, can and can't run the football with the odd front. And so then you kind of have your defense like ready for what's coming as long as you can go make the play. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how Houston attacks that. But if Houston can make Cincinnati one-dimensional, right, make Emory Jones pass the football, he's not super comfortable at that, right? There's a reason he didn't stick at Florida. Uh, he's still kind of finding his way and all that. It's his first year in Cincinnati, first and final year in Cincinnati offense, right? So it's, mm, I know we're later in the season, but he's still very much like learning how to be, or developing as a passer. Houston can take advantage of that. And if you want to take advantage of things, and if you're looking to get to this game, if you're looking to get to go see this in person or do see anything around Houston in person, I mean, Tank Dell and the Texans are a lot of fun. Uh, the Rockets are riding a win streak right now, the recording of this. If you've got any of those kinds of things you want to go see around town, you got to go to Game Time, get the Game Time app today and get the tickets to go see it in person. Now, the cool thing about game time, well, a couple of cool things. One, you can see the view from your seat before you buy it. So you know exactly where you're going to be sitting. You know exactly what the view's going to be like. You can pick out like, ooh, how far away is this in that stadium? I hadn't been to that sta-. You can figure out all that kind of stuff ahead of time with their uh, view options. You can also, I like their zone deals. You can have to eight, up to 18 or average of 18%. Sorry, it's an average of 18% discount by just telling them roughly the, uh, the section you want to sit in and they pick the seats. Again, if you know you want to be sitting in roughly the part behind the bench or if you're going to be sitting roughly at midcourt or roughly at the 50-yard line, they can do the rest and save you some money in that instance. We're trying to save some money here at Locked On as well. So use Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. That's Locked On College, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E for $20 off at Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Game Time, best tickets, best prices, guaranteed. All right, so I mentioned that the second thing Houston had to do in this game, I said be special. They got to take advantage of special teams. Now, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, actually, with the exception of the Texas Tech game uh, and really just a couple of plays in the Texas Tech game, I feel like you could safely say that Houston does a pretty strong job in special teams under Dana Holgerson over the course of his time here. I mean, he has missed field goals, right? But as far as like, alignment assignment uh you know haven't given up a ton of return for touchdowns have had a bunch of return for touchdowns um you could argue that houston's done very very well in those instances i think cincinnati is going to be 
up to the task of stopping that. And I think that can be a major, major advantage if Houston can kind of beat them at that portion of the game because it's not the kind of thing that Cincinnati has necessarily had a lot of experience in getting ready for. And perhaps the biggest reason that that's the case is honestly just in that Cincinnati kicks off and punts kicks that can and should be returned. 43% of the kickoffs are returnable. 40.6% of their punts are as well. Um, that means they're kicking the ball in places where you can bring it out. Um, admittedly, we'll talk in a second about how that punting actually may be an advantage for them. But in kickoff specifically, odds are if they kick off you know, three times, four times, Houston will get to return two of them. Um, Houston has very talented return games. Now, obviously, the story here is that Matthew Golden is still day-to-day. Um, as of the recording of this podcast, it sounds like he's going to try and give it a go on Saturday. Toes are weird. He's got a toe injury that's not a broken toe. I didn't call it turf toe, so I don't want to call it turf toe. But I will say that having had turf toe, that frankly, um, it's one of those things where it never goes away over the course of the season. It's not. I mean, he won't not feel it until March, but there are definitely days that are worse than others. And especially for a guy that is a receiver and is up on his toes cutting a lot and planting, getting in and out of breaks, um, that toe can be really, really important. Again, this is me reading two lines of what the actual injury is. They haven't said that necessarily, but if it's not broken, it's that severe. It kept him out of the Baylor game. And imagine something fairly serious like that, right? Um, that being said, uh, Houston, even on the Matthew Golden returns for touchdowns, Right, you've seen that they'll have um, a lot of success blocking, getting guys open, and things like getting guys in open space. Um, does it come down to an athlete making a guy miss? At some points, typically it does, but Houston's got other guys that are talented enough to get back there. I'd imagine if Matthew Golden is not a go, um, not a go at all, right? Obviously, that changes things up. If he even is a go on offense, it doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna be running on special teams because you might say, like, hey, why make him run, you know, 100 yards potentially on one big play? What kind of like potentially have him on other offensive possessions where the likelihood of him being in the ball, like you can change things in the offense set. I could see him not using one special teams. Long way to say that. Right. Um, Parker Jenkins, uh, we know his talent with the ball in his hands. So he has an extra burst of speed. Uh, he frankly has had his own big returns this season, had had the touchdowns that Matthew Golden had, right. But not very many people in America have frankly. Um, so Parker Jenkins, I imagine be one, the other spot I could see being either you put um, Lake Fleming back there because he also returns punts, or I could see Houston going with more like Peyton Sawyer. Peyton was uh, actually opened up the season opposite Golden as back uh, in the back line of the kickoff return um, before we saw you know Parker Jenkins kind of step up to the plate. I could see that functioning where like he's just the third guy so he comes in. I also can understand like you know Lake Fleming is already doing a bunch of returning and how you might want to stem him into that as well for this game at least either way um houston can take advantage with if they're ready to return again they're going to get shots at returning and and i think that it's you know an advantage they can have um for what it's worth cincinnati also has had a bunch of a bunch of punts returned cincinnati by the side I'm looking at here, uh, it's through the NCAA's website itself. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but 32 punts this season and zero touchbacks. That means Houston will always have a chance to return, I guess, technically. Uh, the average 
return has only been five yards. So they're doing it really, really high and not necessarily crazy, crazy long. Um, the one thing I will say about the return game is that worries me with Malik. Um, Malik does a lot of gambling back there and he won't wave fair catch and try, will try and make some like standing still defender miss or something like that. Um, this is not the game to be cute with you to play with your food. Um, Houston needs to make sure they're taking advantage of these things. But if they are returnable, Malik's got a lot of speed. And I think that that's kind of a moment where he, he can flip the game on its head here, um, much like he does with interception returns throughout the season. Right. Um, I I just feel like, I don't know, do you tell me down below if you feel like I'm different? But I feel like Houston's got a chance to make a big, it's homecoming, big crowd, Kool-Aid man, red uniforms, um, a lot of there should be a lot of energy in the stadium because again they're playing to be in a bowl game, um, almost very literally, right? A um, lot of things, a lot of things on the line here, and uh, frankly, Cincinnati is a familiar opponent that they've seen uh, throughout the American Conference. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati has won the last three matchups in this in this rivalry of sorts, but Houston actually has the winning advantage. So you know, I. History versus recency. I don't know what you're going to go with there. Uh, obviously, the 2021 American Athletic Conference Championship game is on everyone's mind. Uh, now, there's no sauce garden or no tank down the field, but you catch my drift there. Um, all that is to say, the stage is set for an exciting moment. Uh, homecoming. All red. All, all the things are on the line. A familiar opponent. The setting is there, right? And if the setting is there... Um, those moments tend to happen in a special teams game. We're on a, a big turnover or some sort of a big where the ball changes into the field, right? The ball is going to the right, sudden change, this play happens, the ball is going far, far to the left very quickly or, or whatever, right? The way that this can flip the field is going to be really important. And I think that Houston's got the talent to take advantage of that and be the team that flips the field in that instance and be the team that takes advantage and uses that momentum to their advantage. Now, Speaking of using things to your advantage or taking advantage of different things and winning this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about prize picks because prize picks is a great way for you to add on to the winning, just like our Houston Cougars will this weekend because I got this crazy new thing. First of all, prize picks, daily fantasy sports, but uh, picking uh, it's best daily fantasy sports app out there. Um, all kinds of ways you can pick stats and go over under, uh, in between range, all kinds of ways different play with stats and show off your knowledge compared with people from all across the country and industry. The cool thing that they're doing right now, a couple of cool things. One is that with basketball season and football season and hockey season and all these things, kind of this equinox, you can actually combine things into a parlay. You can say like, hey, I think Travis Kelsey receptions and LeBron James three-pointers made is going to be over Ten and a half, and you can create this parlay using multiple sports. And so, when Travis Kelsey catches that seventh catch, you just got to watch, make sure that that night LeBron James makes four threes. Boom! You got the over. It's awesome, right? They're doing that when you combine sports at this cool time of year. The other thing they're doing in both football and basketball is they've got this reboot policy that your stars and entries can stay in play even if someone gets hurt. That is, if they, someone exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second. Price picks will reboot them. Uh, it's the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy like that. So make sure you go check them out. It's a good way to feel safe about the way you're trying to grow 
your money and win this weekend. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college and a they'll match your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college. L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E locked on college. Make sure you go to pricepicks.com and win this weekend. All right, the last thing I think Houston's got to do win this week, and I say the last thing because I feel like I say it every week, is they've got to, got to, got to make sure they keep Donovan Smith clean. they got to keep him clean. they got to get the offense running smoothly. Now, I say that this week because in watching some Cincinnati football getting ready for this weekend, it feels very obvious that the best unit on any side of the football for Cincinnati is their defensive line. Uh, we've talked at length this week about the godfather, Dante Corleone. Uh, he is a very, very talented, big, strong interior defensive tackle. Will be a pro, a big-time test for Jack Freeman. Uh, Tank Jenkins, the guards as well, right? Big-time challenge. He's really, really good. Really, really good, right? But Juwan Briggs and Eric Phillips uh, hold their own as well. They're the other two defensive tackles in the odd front defense they run. Um, and frankly, part of the reason Dante gets loose like he does is because you can't just leave Juwan Briggs and Eric Phillips alone, right? If they were both scrubs. You could just double or triple Dante Dante Corleone and be fine. It ain't like that, right? Um, that's their best unit. They can keep those guys off of Donovan Smith and give him some time to throw, even if Matthew Golden isn't 100%, Houston's got a really talented wide receiver unit with Sam Brown leading the league in reception yardage. Joseph Manjack is going to be back. you got Boogie Johnson and the speed and electricity he brings. Dalton Carnes, the continued you know, exponential upward trajectory of his career. Um, bunch, of, bunch of exciting playmakers at that third level uh, for Houston if you got a chance to get them the ball. And much like the defense line is probably the best unit in Cincinnati, I might call the secondary the worst. Um, Kalen Carroll had his first start as a college football player against Central Florida last week. Uh, Jordan Young is his first year at Cincinnati, um, and so he's been in and out of the lineup some. And then the only other slot, the only other corner they got any real reps against Central Florida last week, and so I'm looking at who's healthy and who's not, and those kinds of things is Ken Willis. Uh, he started two games technically, but only played more than 30 snaps in one of them, and that was the loss against Oklahoma. Um, he's, I don't want to call him a weak link because I want to be rude to guys, but he's not as talented as you would hope. Um, that trio of corners is going to do a lot of the work. They don't rotate as well as other schools do. Uh, a lot of the work against Houston's very, very talented wide receiver room. You'll notice that is less corners than I'm talking about wide receivers playing for Houston. Houston should be able to have fresh legs, be in and out of routes, and be consistently blowing past these guys. You can even see it turn, uh, you know, turn about at the end of the second half, end of the first half, second quarter, or at the end of the game where Houston just got more stamina because they're able to rotate guys through those spots more quickly. Um, as long as Donovan has time to throw, right, you can really take advantage of that. Now, I think even with the talent on the outsides of him, you do have to double Dante Corleone. Uh, that leaves probably one-on-one in either Juwan Briggs or Eric Phillips, uh, which is tough. But if you can find a way to get that one-on-one with whichever one they match up with Patrick Paul, you got to take your chances there because Patrick Paul is your pro on the, on the line. right? You're, you're like bona fide pro. I guess you might have another one in Jack Green, but you definitely got one in Patrick Paul, right? Um, 
And you've got to make sure in doing that, that you're um, also accounting for in this odd front, much like when Houston runs their odd front. So hopefully it's not any surprise that they're going to be sending a fourth or a fifth guy from somewhere. And so we would call, always call it appeal black appeal back. Um, so like if you're center and left guard or double team in the nose tackle, and then off the right side, you see an edge pressure coming predetermined based on who's where that week and what the play is, but someone's got to peel back and take off that edge rusher. That's how we'd have popped back and done it. Some schools will slide, right? Do all kinds of different things, whatever the case may be, and whatever Amanya Gavi wants to do. And frankly, we're still learning the kinds of things Amanya Gavi likes to do versus the personnel he's got and so on, right? And here at Houston, whatever the case may be, you got to know that uh, someone else is coming. You got to account for that person. Now, Cincinnati is very middle of the road in a lot of statistics in this. They are seven. They have seventeen sacks, which is almost dead set average in all of Division One college football, uh, and they are allowing two hundred sixty four passing yards per game and eight point one four yards per attempt. Both of which are also in the late and the like high eighties as far as like college football. So that's like kind of middle of the road, right? As far as Division One college football goes. And I have to say it's interesting because the passing stats, like counting stats, like total passing yards or total sacks should be a little skewed, frankly, to make it look better than they are. Um, or sorry, make it look worse than that because teams are, you know, not passing the ball a whole heck of a lot once they get a big lead like Cincinnati, right? So if you jump out to a three-score lead against Cincinnati like some schools have, um, you're not going to keep adding to those passing yard numbers. You're not going to keep adding those sack numbers because you're not passing the football. So realistically, right? Um, anyway, I, I say to say that, like their numbers could be a little bit skewed, but statistically they look like a very average pass rush because of those skews, right? Um, if Houston keep Donovan Smith clean, they got the advantage in the secondary. They could score a lot of points. I see this game being much higher scoring than our buddies at FanDuel do. I think they have the over-under set at 54.5. I see this being a 35-31 to 31 victory for the Cougs. That's a lot more than 54.5. But I'm feeling very confident in it. I think both teams find some success at various points on offense. Houston's had trouble stopping the run. And I think that ultimately Houston does come out on top. Um because it's Friday, and I've always talked myself into that by Friday. But I do know that Cincinnati is fighting to stay alive. They've circled this game on the calendar. People are posting pictures of that on various message boards, um, that they post this game on their calendar, and it's a big one to them. And this one, they think they can get, right? They're running out of those kind of games. As we talked to Neil yesterday, he's like, this is kind of the last one they feel like they can go get. The other ones be lucky. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I know... You'll be back for Cougars After Dark. But if you were not planning on it, Cougars After Dark will be live Saturday night. Uh, hit the bell for notifications once you subscribe so you'll know when we go live. Uh, Cougars After Dark will be covering what happens in this game as well as the Houston Cougar men's basketball game. Houston has uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi at like lunchtime, like 1230 on Saturday. So we'll be able to cover both games and Cougars After Dark this Saturday night. So make sure you hit subscribe, hit the bell so you're live, and we'll be talking to you about all things Houston Cougar Saturday night. We're doing it each and every day here at Lockdown Cougar. So thank you so much for making us your first listen and make sure your listen every day by hitting subscribe. Thank you again, Lockdown Cougs, Private Lockdown Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.